Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of Let's Talk Money and More with me, Leslie Thomas. Today is another fantastic guest episode. Today, I have Rachel Power, who is a career coach and founder of Power Your Potential, a business she set up to help disillusioned professionals take back their power at work to have more ease, enjoyment, and enrichment, just not in their careers, but in their lives also. Before establishing Power Your Potential, Rachel had a successful corporate career for 20 years as a procurement professional in various organizations. She played a lead role in numerous global transformation projects, but everything changed the day she was asked, and more importantly, held accountable to answer, where do you see yourself in five years' time? A question Rachel had managed to avoid her entire career. This simple question became the catalyst to her own personal transformation project and led to her moving from the corporate world to being a business owner. Rachel is also a client of mine. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. I am so excited for this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Wow, what a question. Thank you, Leslie. What is my money story? So I think it's quite important before I go into what my money story is, just to frame that it's only probably about a year since I even knew there was such a thing as having a money story. Um, So started my business 2021. Before that, I'd always worked in large organizations for about 20 years. And before that, I'd always had a job as a teenager. So in many respects, I didn't need to worry about money particularly. So money was coming to me and I feel like money was taking care of for me. Um, Obviously, I did my job to get the money, but you know what I mean? So you'd get, uh, you'd get your salary um, and as a progressor in my career, you'd get your bonus, shares, car allowance, pension. You didn't have to ask for it ever. It arrived as it long as you were doing your job. Um, yeah. So, and then you get an annual pay rise because um, I worked in the same organization for 13 years. So didn't really have to do anything other than my job and money came to me. So in that respect, I'm very fortunate for all of those years that that happened. Um, in fact, there was one one time I did ask for a pay rise. Um, God, it still gives me the eebie-jeebies just thinking. When I look back at when I actually asked for a pay rise. But the weird thing is uh, I worked in procurement. So for 20 years, I worked in procurement. For anyone listening who doesn't know what procurement is, that's buying goods and services. So you're spending somebody else's 
millions and millions of pounds and negotiating, which I found very easy until it came to doing things for myself. So I started my own coaching business and I realized how uncomfortable I was talking about money, didn't like asking for money. And the more, I guess, I dug into to the whole money story with you and the program and the academy, it's given me all sorts of weird stories that I was telling myself uh, about money. So example, um, if I really cared about people, I wouldn't be charging them to help them mm-hmm. with their career. Um, so that's now been reframed through the work that I've done with you and in the academy. So if I don't earn money, I'm not running a business. I'm running a very expensive hobby. Uh, and most importantly, and one of the, my biggest takeaways actually from the whole program was the more money I earn, the more people that I can serve, which is really, really important to me as well, because I do charity work as well. So I do coaching and mentoring with a couple of charities. So that's really important. So that was big. So I've gone from, and it is stories, isn't it? It's all the stories that we tell ourselves. And that's it. And you know, that, that's exactly it. And it's all justification. It's all justification to not take the action we should be taking to move ourselves forward. But it's the excuses we are giving ourselves just to keep doing what we've always done, but hoping to get completely different results. Exactly. And I think that's Einstein's thing, isn't it? That um, definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing. Exactly. And expecting something different. So that was a story. Uh, Another story was really, like and I said earlier, I worked really hard. So I have this thing about you have to work really, really hard to earn money. Um, And if it's coming too easily, it's cheating, um, which is not true. And I think a lot of that came out again in the academy stuff that we did with the archetypes and the fact that I was actually resisting my main archetype of the connector, which was my number one. And it was a strong score, if you remember. And I was resisting it because it was too easy for me. Um, So just, again, reframing that doesn't have to be hard. Um, It's about the transformation as opposed to how many hours you work it's, yeah, all these things I wish I'd learned a long, long time ago. Maybe my corporate career would have been different, but hey-ho, you, can, uh, you can't go backwards, but we can go forwards, can't we, with what we learned. So, yeah, my money story was I didn't even know I had one till a year ago, and they were quite crazy little stories I was telling myself. Absolutely. And, you know, what's really interesting, or one of the really interesting things you said there, and I was the same, I'm sure, at my time in corporate, Now, I didn't know what my money story was. I didn't know or hadn't heard of money mindset. And it tends to only be something we become aware of when we move into running our own business. However, if you think about when you are going for promotion and everything that comes up around going for promotion, about you know negotiating your new pay packet, your new package when you go for a promotion. Lots of actually the things that come up there around not feeling good enough, around comparing yourself to others, around putting a price on what you do and how you do it, that's actually no different to the things that come up for us as business owners. The big difference, obviously, is when you are working in for somebody, you have got that security of a pay packet, money going into your bank you know, on a regular basis every month, no matter how good a job you do or don't do, although your bonus obviously might be affected accordingly. 
But it is interesting that the only time largely we now talk about our money story, our money mindset, etc., does tend to be in the con- in the context of those who are running their own business. Mm, so true, because at that time when I did negotiate for a pay rise, it was at a time I was working on a project and it was so flat out. And it was actually, um, she was a supplier to the company that I worked for, but she was like, what are you doing? Like, you need a pay rise. Like, this is crazy. You're just doing more and more and you're taking on more and more responsibility. Um, and what I ended up doing was I worked out all the facts and data in a presentation, not to present to them, but I literally, and I was like, wow, based on my current situation, I'm probably earning about three pound an hour here when you really boil down to what I'm doing. Um, and that gave me the confidence to go in, but I remember just really shaking and I asked for more money. I asked for, um, I asked for a month off in lieu, I think. And then I bottled it to ask for a promotion, but I got, so I did get 10% pay rise, 10 days off in lieu, which was quite nice. Um, yeah, but I bottled it on the promotion, which I regretted, but the shape, it was ridiculous because yeah, ridiculous. And that, like you said, it goes back to your worth and your money story and all these things that we're telling ourselves. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of more scope, isn't there? It's not just business owners. It's applicable to, to everybody. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So where do you think your money story came from? How did it develop? How did it develop? Um, I guess I, and again, this goes back to what stories you tell yourself in the first place, but so my parents had their own business. They worked incredibly, incredibly hard. And I saw that as a child. So I guess I saw work hard, <laughs> you'll earn money. Um, like my dad would use the term grafters, where grafters get the work done. Um, I think my granddad spoke like that as well. So I guess I came from a family where work hard and you'll earn money. And that was what I saw. And I guess that's just what I believed. Um, in fact, because they had their own business, I used to be paid um i don't know what the word you would use for it by the piece there wasn't a time-based thing it was by the we were packing um we were packing games pieces for waddingtons uh who don't even exist anymore but you know like monopoly yeah. houses uh cluedo pieces so we used to pack them as little bags and you'd be packed paid by the pack um so the more you did the more the more money you got which as a teenager was really cool because i had this outlet of making money but i had to work really hard to make the money and i guess it i guess it's them from that then it just followed through because I guess this stuff, you just believe it, don't you? Because that's that's what you see. That's your yeah. frame of, of reference in the world as a child or a teenager. Um, yeah, even through school, I just work hard, get the best grades, work hard. Yeah, I guess it was about grades then, which is yeah. kind of the same thing, isn't it, as money? So I'd say Absolutely. it probably, probably came from that. And it's funny because, again, I you know, we were talking before we started recording. I recorded um, a solo episode earlier on today. And I was talking a little bit about my journey and saying, you know, I never had any aspiration to be a business owner at all. Uh, You know, I didn't have anybody in my family who was a business owner. So to me, the path I was going to take and did take was was the, the path that my parents told me to take, which was work hard at school, go to university, go into corporate, get a job, go up the corporate ladder. And it never really entered my head until I had children and an inflexibility in where I lived versus where I worked. Did I actually start to look around to see, is there another way of doing this? Is there another way of of making money, providing, you know, a second income into our household that didn't require me not being a good mum? 
a good wife or a good employee. But up until that point, until I'd had the experience to look outside the world of of corporate, I just stuck to what I knew. I didn't I didn't know there was options. I didn't know there was another path. And it That's- sounds to me like it was the same for you. Yeah, same but different because it's interesting listening to you. So my parents didn't go to university. Um, They had their own business, which had dissolved by the time I went to university. I think the only reason I went to university was because other people were going to university and I just thought that's what you did. So again, following the the school people. Yeah. Um, So I was first in my family to go to university and then we were on placement year, so you had to get a job and the jobs are obviously in the corporate world. Um, And I remember being at the job board thinking I knew what I didn't want to do, but I didn't really know what I did. I saw this job in procurement. It sounded a bit interesting. I went for it. I got it. And then 20 years later, I questioned, why am I in procurement? Um, And it's funny because I always knew that I wanted my own business deep down. And I guess because that's what I grew up with and that's what I saw, but I didn't know what and I didn't know what what I would do. I didn't have any ideas. Even on maternity leave, I remember looking at, should I start a baby business? Like what? I knew I wanted to do something, but I didn't know what. And I guess that all came to a head, which is the whole reason I left corporate when I was really pushed on what's your five-year plan. And I started to do the inner work to be like, well, what is my five-year plan? I don't have one. I've never had one. Um, did a lot of work on my strengths, values, interests, which is what I now help other people to do, but came to the realization I might be good at procurement, but do I actually like it? And the nuts and bolts of it, if you said, do you want to go and contract and negotiate? Not, not really. So the people bit and the relationship bit, um, ironically, because that's my connector side. That was why why I liked it in the first place. So, yeah, interesting. And I guess we go, yeah, the more the more you see, I guess, and the more you see opportunities and, and role models, the more you see what you could do, um, which, yeah, apart from, so my parents had this business, but as I said, it had, it had gone by the time I was at uni. Because um, I think when I was younger, I used to think I would take that business over. But mm. So what what was the actual push for you? Because, you know, lots of people, you know, in corporate life will be asked, okay, so, you know, so what's your five-year plan? And, you know, very often, you know, there's conversations around, you know, you're saving towards your pension and pension contributions and almost not a job for life, because I think that went, you know, a long, long time ago. But the concept most of us have are, well, we've started out on this path and we shall carry on on this path until we go and start, you know, claiming our pension. What was it that made you think, well, actually, no, no, this is not for me? Good question. So there's a couple of things. So yeah, I had a manager who was like a dog with a bone. With I wasn't getting off the hook with where's your five-year plan, which I'd managed to escape for 15 plus years. Um, so there was that. And then I did the work and I did do the work on quite a deep level about strengths, values, interests. Um, and then it was funny because other people said that they always knew that I would be a coach. I was like, well, thanks. You could have maybe told me that earlier. Um, <laughs> Save so, me some time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for that. Uh, coming out later. So there was that, but there was also um, in a talent review, I got the feedback. And for anyone listening, I don't know if they know about corporate talent reviews, but you get put in this, or many corporates anyway, use this nine box matrix to say where you are with your potential versus your um, potential versus your delivery over time. And I'd always ended up in, in a quite a good box. And in this particular time, similar time that I'm doing this, what's your five year plan? I got told that I'd reached my potential. 
And that really triggered me because at this point I was in my early 40s. I was like, what? I don't think so. It really, really triggered me. Um, So I was like, no, I don't think so. And then that's when I seriously started looking at what could I do. And unfortunately, at that time, um, the organization that I was working for, coaching in-house wasn't an option anymore. And I became more and more comfortable with the idea that I could just go and do this somewhere else. Uh, and I guess my confidence grew in by knowing my strengths and the values and my interests. I felt very confident, which is quite funny in hindsight, because I didn't have a clue, Leslie. I did not have a clue. I thought you literally go set up some limited company. Very easy. Choose a title, choose a name, power your potential. Yeah, that's good. Let's go. Um, and then this whole, yeah, where do you get customers from? How do you ask customers for money? How do you even price yourself? And how do you market yourself and everything that goes with having a business? I didn't have a plan for. I was just, I just went for it really. Um, so I guess I was fortunate that I had redundancy, uh, which I'd managed to negotiate. But yeah, it was a leap of faith in backing yourself. When someone's telling you you've reached your potential, like, I don't think so. Um, and how dare any other human being tell any other human being that they've reached their potential, which I'm very passionate about because I think everybody's got so much untapped potential. Uh, nobody's reached it by the time they're 40. I exactly. think people have still got it even when they're, as long as you've got a will and a pulse. Happy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So do you think if that person hadn't have said to you, you've reached your potential, Rachel, do you think you'd still be there? Wow. I've never been asked that. Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. I think I always, like I said, I always had this itch of what could I do? I'd looked at it when I was on maternity leave. Uh, in fact, on maternity leave, because we saved all the money that I earned during that time to see if we could live on one salary. Um, more thinking I didn't know how I'd feel after maternity. Would you want to go back? That kind of thing. And then you save all the money. I was like, there's no way I'm paying that back. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to go back to work. Uh, so I always had the itch, whether I would have had the guts to do it, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of the sliding door moments, isn't it? What yeah. would have happened? Absolutely. So, so, yeah, I guess in that respect, I'm very grateful to be told I'd reach my potential. But <laughs> no one so, no exactly. other people, like you haven't reached your potential at all. You're just, who knows what you can do. And that's it sometimes, isn't it? Is somebody's negative comment can actually be the gift we didn't realise it was. And I think when we can start, you know, reframing some of the things we see and hear to intentionally make them useful for us, they're no longer the weapon that that person might have initially intended them to be. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, that that I think is is something I've always found, you know, quite fascinating. You know, people are always saying to me, you're, all, you're always reframing. You're always thinking of an alternative way to consider things. And I think it's because I do try with both myself and with clients to reduce the negative impact that words can have. Because, you know, whilst we all know sticks and stones might hurt my bones, but words will never harm me, actually, words have a more profound, longer-term effect than having anything physical largely thrown at you. And I think if you can have the ability to look at what somebody else is saying from, from the position that they are saying it, going through whatever they are, having gone through it, and then reframe it, it reduces that impact. And actually, that is the best offense that you can have. That is the best um, 
what's the word I am looking for? Retaliation to a certain extent, revenge, yeah. revenge that you can have when you just take that power away from them. Yeah, I like that because taking the power, just taking your power back. Like, exactly. Don't let, them take, don't let them take it. Absolutely. Um, but like you said, easier said than done sometimes with the the words can be hurtful. But I think that's why it's important as well to have um, to have a support network around you. So I did have um, my boss at the time, the same one who was pushing me on the five-year plan, was very much supportive of me going off and doing this. And I still remember her saying, you know, it's a really big thing to sell your own business. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll work it out. Um, and I think that's when you believe in yourself that you will work it out. Absolutely. And you yeah. don't know what you don't know, but you find the people who do know, hence finding you, uh, to help you along the bit where you don't know what to do. And how have you found the journey of, you know, leaving corporate life and and setting up your own business? I love it. I absolutely love it. I love learning. So I guess I threw myself into learning um I've thrown myself and I know we're in some of the same groups um I guess I was looking for role models or it's back to that thing about what you see what's the art of the possible type thing we're talking about from childhood it's like okay well who who's out there doing what and not necessarily looking at coaches probably for me it's more interesting looking at other types of businesses and then thinking how can you apply that to what you want to do um and like I said it's only been just over a year that I've been doing this but yeah, I love it. So I've loved the learning. I've loved the connecting with people. Although it's interesting because I connected with people more in a looking for role models and looking for people to learn from as opposed to collaborate. Yes. Wasn't looking for that. Didn't, was quite blindsided to that, actually. So, yeah, looking for people to collaborate wasn't something on my, even on my radar. But now now that is. Can I think that's the name of the game, especially in small business. And what I've been in awe of after coming out of corporate where sometimes it could be quite difficult for people in the same function, getting them to do the thing that we needed to do as a function for the organization. Um, like the entrepreneurial world, maybe I've been very fortunate of the circles that I've got into, but how helpful people are, yeah. like just want to help you. You go in a Facebook group and you can't do something and somebody helps you. It's like, at first I was a bit, oh, not sure about this. What, what's your ulterior motive? I don't think there is one. And, and it's really nice. So yeah, a bit more open to collaboration than I was because now I'm not um, not resisting my my keystroke as a connector. But yeah, absolutely love it. And I think if there was anyone listening who was sitting on the fence with should they, I think my advice would actually be try before you buy as well, which I didn't realise there's all these people doing side hustles. Yeah. Um, if I'd known that, maybe I'd have side hustled first, actually, going back to your previous question. But I didn't know, so I went in. And, you know, that that's the thing about, you know, the coaching world. And I'm sh I'm sure, you know, other on the online business world, let's put it that way, that I know I've often described it as going through the wardrobe into Narnia, you know, not knowing this world exists. And, you know, the other example I would give now, I've I've never been the biggest Harry Potter fan. You know, I've watched the occasional clip of films, etc. But I've not really been the biggest fan, haven't read the books. And we went to Florida at Universal Studios a couple of years ago. And we were just going down this kind of normal, you know, kind of big park road, going down to another ride or something or other. And there were shops and whatever. And my, my son had gone on and he called, he said, mum, mum, come over here. And he was standing just in this alleyway in between one shop and something else. I thought, why, why do you want me to go down an alleyway? Walk down this alleyway and oh my God, 
it actually went through, and I may not pronounce the name correctly, but it was Dagon Alley taking you into Harry Potter world. And from being on the street in the park, you would have no idea that through this alleyway, they had created this other world, basically. And that's exactly how I felt just over two years ago, coming into this online business space. And it's exa- and you that was such a good analogy, because I think I was exactly the same as you. You know, in the corporate world, people do tend to want to help you to be able to get something from you or to get something from you and then step on you to get you know on and above you. Whereas in this space, yes, I am sure it goes on in certain spaces, but actually people are so open about their experience and so prepared to share how they have done certain things and provide words of warning about the things not to do, et cetera, et cetera, that you can't help largely feel you are part of this, this wider community where we can collaborate and thrive as opposed to looking at everybody as competition and how are they looking to trip me up. And I think that was a really, really, you know, what you said there really did hit home for me a lot. Interesting, because just as you've said the thing about the competition, I was actually in a conversation with someone this morning who asked me, did I not think it was a saturated market in coaching? Um, And I always use um, Lisa Johnson always says it about the hairdressers and nobody says there's too many hairdressers. Nobody says there's too many Indian restaurants. And he was like, yeah, you're right. I've never thought about it in that respect because. He's like, well, is there really? I was like, who even knows how many coaches are in the world and how many, like, how many people are in the world? Like, if you're going to go down that mindset, then that's what you're going to find. Yeah. That's what's going to happen to you. But if you yeah. go for an open mindset, and I think before I started working with you, I'd done a lot of work on mindset, but I think the money mindset stuff is is different and it's more specific. Um, and like I said earlier, the whole if you can't make money, you haven't really got a business, have you? Yeah. You've got a very expensive hobby. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've you've kindly introduced the next topic by by talking about it, which I really appreciate. Is so you are one of my clients, and I've loved working with you and seeing how you have flourished, you know, over the time that we have worked together. What was it that made you look to have somebody to work with? on your money mindset, your relationship with money? Oh, what made me do it? Um, so I knew of money mindset, again, through Lisa Johnson. So she she talks about it quite openly. So I knew what it was. And I guess, like I said earlier, I'd done a lot of learning on different things. I was spending a lot of money on different things. So I think you and I met in a in a Zoom room in, <laughs> in a podcasting thing, actually, wasn't it? We did, yeah. Um, and I was fascinated by what you did. So I'd followed some, um, I'd followed some others on, on money mindset, but to me, this sounds silly, but to meet a real life person, as opposed to you just following someone made it quite different. Um, so I was fascinated by you and what you did. Um, so as a true stalker after the session, I went on to follow you on social media. <laughs> I listened to your podcast, which at that time I had no idea I was going to be on one of these podcasts. Um, and then I did the money archetypes quiz 
And then we had the one-to-one call, which you may remember, I think, resulted in me being in tears. Um, So I knew something was there. I knew something was there at that. I guess I knew all along something was there, but I was putting my head in the sand, which there's a pattern here. So I've put my head in the sand for many years on many different things. And I think sometimes it's a that is a signal. So the more you put your head in the sand about something, that's really the thing you want yeah, to be doing, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but it's one thing knowing the knowing the theory. It's another thing having the courage, I guess, to do something. I guess maybe I was scared about what I was going to find. The fact that I go into a call and can be triggered so quickly to cry. Um, I think I was a bit scared. And I said, I've done a lot of mindset work already. It's not kind of can I take any more? What else are we going to find? What are we going to peel back now and look at? So there was a bit of that. Um, but then I did your free challenge and that then became the no brainer for me that I wanted to work with you. Uh, I got so much from that challenge. I don't know if you'll run that again, Leslie, but anyone listening who didn't do it, I'd be like, just do the free challenge. If you do nothing else, I got so, so much from that. And then it became a no brainer for me um, to do the, the Academy. And yeah, I think it was meant to be. Yeah. And what, how different do you feel now as a, you know, I, I know the difference because I can actually see the difference and hear the difference. But what difference do you now feel having A, invested in yourself in terms of improving your relationship with money, what you have learned about yourself and what you've implemented? Oh, that was a lot of questions. You might have to I hope you remembered them because I'm not sure I will. <laughs> you might, I was going to say you might have to repeat it again. So, <laughs> so what did I learn and how do I feel? Yeah. Shall I go with that? Yeah. So I learned, um, well, I learned, I guess, to reframe my, my stories, but how do I feel? I feel really excited. Um, I've got this whole embracing my top archetypes instead of moving away from them. So if you remember that my first reaction was, Horror. oh God, I, I shouldn't have a business if I'm yeah. a connector, nurturer and alchemist. Like yeah. I'm away with the fairies and I'm just too kind was yeah. kind of my summary of those three. Uh, and it took, it took several, several sessions, I think the, to warm up. And that's what I liked about being in the Academy that we, we had those grounding things that we always came back to. Um so that was important. Now I've lost track of what the question is again. So how 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 have you changed from how where you changed? were to where you are now? Um, instead of putting my head in the sand, I look at my bank balance every day with excitement. Um, I do the tracking thing, which I had done tracking on and off, but doing it on, uh, you gave us the templates and every single day, what's your incoming so I have my green pen for the incoming and the red pen for the outgoing. Just seeing it in, um, I was going to say black and white, but clearly it's not black and white because it's green and red. But <laughs> just seeing it on the paper. You're colourblind, maybe it was black and white. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah, seeing it on the paper makes such a big difference. And even to the point of, do you need to buy that? What is that? How much more do we need to get um, to set targets? Even setting targets. So I'd, I'd, I'd set targets, but I hadn't really previously. Um, and that was one thing that I really liked about the Academy because she held us to account to our targets. Um, and I feel excited about the targets. Uh, and even before we came on here, I was talking to you, wasn't I, about I'm going to up the target now because I'm like, okay, you can do this. This is getting easier. Um, as I move away from, I guess, my comfort zone, if we call it that, I don't even know what I would call it. 
so yeah, I just feel more excited. I'm having much more open conversations with my husband, who, to be fair to him, has been very patient because we used to earn similar salary. And uh, I've invested any income that I've made into more learning. I'm like, okay, now you need to start. You need to start bringing home some money. Um, and I feel excited about that. And I didn't think I was actually going to say this on the podcast, but I am going to say it. When we did the target setting, um, I very quickly was like, oh, if I double... If I double for a few years, by the time I'm 50, I should have an income of uh, or a revenue of a million pounds. If I keep doubling every year, that seems like a sensible target. Or just the doubling, so I'm a long way. I'm a long way from 50. Uh, well, probably not that long, actually, because time goes fast, doesn't it? But it seems a long way from where I am. Um, and that seems achievable to me. I'm like, yeah, that's that's doable. And that's amazing because I was not going to back you into a corner to get you to give that figure because I know how much it took out of you initially to be able to even give a figure, let alone to work up to you know a million pounds. But the fact that a you have said that you've said it to me, and the fact now you've said this on the podcast that goes out to a lot of people that goes to show you know how far you have come. And you know, that in itself, you know, is amazing because when we truly commit to a target, that number is irrelevant. Actually, it's the action that we're committing to take that leads us to that number. That is the really important part. And I have seen you consistently taking action. But also something that you said there that I think is really, really important, another story you had been telling yourself is what your husband was thinking, what you thought he was thinking in terms of you not financially contributing in the same way that you were. You thought the opposite of what he was actually thinking. He was more than prepared to give you that time and space because his expectancy of how you were growing, going to grow your coaching business was realistic. Whereas your expectation of, and we have all been there, me too, do not worry. We had the expectation we would leave corporate life, we'd make a couple of tweaks to our LinkedIn profile, and they would all come knocking. There'd be a queue outside our door, people waiting to be coached by us. But that's because we came from a different world. We had to experience what it was really like to go about being visible, developing your business, developing what you do, who you do it for, creating those results, getting those testimonials, etc. But you'd been telling yourself another money story that was not serving you, was not serving your relationship, but by having the confidence to work out what was going on for you and then to have the confidence to have the conversation with your husband, that now has given you something that you can lean into. You can be honest with him. You can be vulnerable with him. You can go to him for advice because you're both singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, that's no, a really, it's a really good one that I'd forgotten. There's probably loads, isn't there, that I've forgotten um, over the time. But it's bringing up about my husband, also doing the money archetypes with him was really, 
really powerful if you remember because we were actually complementary of one another um as opposed to yeah like me deciding that i've decided what he is yeah so um yeah a lot of lot of value in there so thank uh, you absolutely no no my absolute pleasure and i think you know with, with the money archetypes you know the reason why and you've expressed it there so well the reason i do think it is so powerful is first of all to understand what is going on for you and why you might have particular traits in certain situations, particularly of extreme. And that extreme might be pressure. It might be celebrating. But whatever those extremes are, you behave in a certain way, a knee-jerk reaction when it comes to money. And money is one of the greatest stress givers and the greatest stress relievers that is possible to have. But when you understand what is going on for you, and if you are in a relationship, what is going on with your other half, that is when you can truly get into the nuts and bolts and under the skin of what you may not be talking about, that elephant in the room, or what you are avoiding talking about because you think it's going, and the important word there is think, because you think it's going to be causing arguments. But actually, when you start to understand that how you think and feel about money, it's part of you. It's innate within you. But once you understand what those triggers are, it's a little bit like wanting to lose weight. And, you know, losing weight, it's such a good analogy for this. If you know you want to lose weight, but you are not particularly good around chocolate biscuits, therefore you don't have chocolate biscuits, you know, in the house. Or if you know you're okay, you know, you're quite disciplined, you can stop at two biscuits, then you will have them in the house, but it's on, on the understanding that you only have two of them. And it's exactly the same with our money archetypes. When we really understand what is going on for us, we can then take the intentional action that we want to take when we are put into that position of pressure. And I think for you, when you were really initially resistant to your, particularly your main archetype connector, one of the biggest identifiers of a connector is head in the sand, but equally, they are bloody brilliant with people. They are bloody brilliant at connecting people. The value that they bring in connecting the right people to each other, the joy that brings a connector and those associated with them, you know that is one of your, and I say one of your, one of your key strengths. And you know, and I have seen this in you, the way that you celebrate and support other people and connect other people together to enjoy being in that energy, anything negative that you saw in the connector, hopefully you realize now that actually, and I think you used the words earlier on, they are your superpower. Yeah. And it's funny because for I just took up because it's easy. This goes back to the stories you tell yourself of work needs to be hard. And because I've always been a connector and I did it so naturally, I didn't value it at all. So I didn't see that as value. And it does actually bring, as you said, a lot of value to the table that I've never appreciated until pretty much the last 10 weeks. 
So, um, so thank you for that because it, it does make a massive difference. And when you can see the value that you add, that makes a big difference to what you do as well, doesn't it? So Absolutely. Which, is what, which is what I want to help people to do. So the other thing I was just thinking, listening to you about lessons is my other lesson is that money is abundant. Uh, it's actually time that time is the finite thing around here. Money, money can come and go. Time only goes. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think when we realize that, that is a big, you know, wake up call, you know, for so, so many people. So, so true. So what is next for you? What is next for me? Um, so leaning into um, relationships that I already have from um, from my years in procurement uh, with all different organizations. So getting really clear on what my programs and offerings are rather than keeping them to myself and being invisible, which doesn't get you anywhere. I have learned. Um, <laughs> also, now I have my podcast uh, equipment in place that I've had for a while and only just got out to use with you, Leslie. I'm going to start my own podcast. Can you say that again, please? I'm going to start my own podcast. And one more time, just in case the person at the back didn't hear you. I am going to start my own podcast. Yay. And we will look forward to hearing and sharing that podcast when it comes to the airways near you very, very soon. So how can people connect with you, Rachel? Ah, so the best place for people to connect with me, I would say, is LinkedIn. That's my favourite place to hang out. Or if anyone is interested to join my Facebook group, I have a free Facebook group, Get a Career You Love, where I give hints, tips and inspiration for people who want to get a career they love rather than being in one that they don't. Uh, so Rachel Power, I think you can pretty much find me anywhere, but I'm guessing we'll have that in the show notes too. Is yep. that right? All the details will be in the show notes so everybody can easily reach out to you. Thank you very much for coming on today. I've absolutely loved our conversation and hope to catch up with you again very soon. Thank you, Leslie. I loved it too. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review. 